Hey there, you lucky libertarians. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Scottish Liberty Podcast, number 47, with me, Tom Laird, and me, Anthony Samaroff. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. We always have very special guests, but uh, this one's uh, very, very special. We have Darren Chris Dioji. How are you doing, Darren? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? We're great. We're great. And I think as far as libertarian podcasts go, we have the most Scottish guests, even if they are abroad, because not long ago we had Colin Gunn, a Scottish liberty-minded fellow living in the States, and now you, you, you're you staying down in England, aren't you, Chris? I am, yeah. I'm in Suffolk. I'm in Traitor. Suffolk. I'm very, very far away from uh, the homeland, that's for sure. Nice to be able to okay. connect back up, though, yeah. Our commiserations. Um, so, <laughs> Darren, good to have you on. I think we're right in saying that we are the best uh, podcast called the Scottish Libertarian Podcast anywhere in the world. Scottish Liberty Podcast. Uh, Scottish, well, <laughs> whatever, that, that too. Uh, that too. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about something controversial. Controversial? Yeah, uh, and that is, does patriarchy exists. So the first does thing patriarchy I, exist? Yeah, does, does it exist? Yeah. Does anybody care? Uh, so the first thing I've got to ask you, Darren, is, I mean, whenever I talk about this subject, uh, even with feminists, and you ask them to define uh, patriarchy, most of them uh, can't really make a decent fist of telling you what patriarchy means. So, And there's a yeah. lot of people with very different definitions of what it means and what it is. Now, the one I know is the one I believe is from the feminist encyclopedia, which is patriarchy is a worldwide social and economic uh, social and economic system that privileges men at the expense of women is, is that fairly close or is it or how would you define it uh, yeah, well i'm happy to work with that definition uh, i would like that, to hear how you define it yeah because before we argue well, about whether or not it exists yeah, we, let's make sure yeah. we're talking about the same yeah, thing exactly uh, well, my understanding of it, I haven't read the feminist encyclopedia. I have encountered many feminists in this journey, though, both feminist men and feminist women. Right. And uh, and it's quite quite important to make that distinction when we're talking about feminists. It's not just women yeah. we are talking about. I feminists. find the second type even more annoying than the first, personally. But, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I expect <laughs> yeah. feminist women. I don't expect feminist men to right. be, yeah. uh, to be uh, you know, we can maybe talk about why a lot of men are feminists as we go along, but definition of feminism. Okay, yeah. So definition of feminism. We hopefully have a bunch of feminists tuning in to check out <laughs> a bunch. This, is that, is that uh, the correct? And um, a bunch of feminists listen to our ideas. So uh, a range of feminists. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to lose some friends over okay, this if you sure. keep on going. So, Damn, that is treasure, though. That was treasure. That was like, is that what we're going to call a flock of feminists? Yeah. A whinge of feminists, yeah. I dare laugh. I dare laugh if you get attacked in the street for laughing at that. Yeah, attacked in your own house. No? You could be. You could be. Yeah, yeah. So okay. tell us, yeah, I mean, what was your working definition of patriarchy when you started writing or examining or being critical in this area? Yeah, the idea that, well, just the idea that women are being oppressed by men as if by some kind of uh, orchestration. Right. As if by orchestration, as if men have sat down as a interest group and uh, plotted and planned how to keep women down, oppressed, 
in yeah. some way. I, I'm using, okay. I hate using and quotes, but I don't believe there's been a, a pledge. Yeah, even that. I mean, I think that's that's a. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even. You know, let, mm. let's obviously everybody's perception is different, isn't it? So the, yeah. people may yeah. have had the experience of of uh, oppression or suppression. But let's remember, I think, for a lot of the women today, it's stories of historical suppression or oppression rather than personal experience, especially the younger women of today. And I think that's mm -hmm. the issue to pick up on here is uh, whether whether that actually exists or is even a thing or right, not. Okay. And, uh, yes. and, and the things that are influencing the toxicity of the feminist movement in its relationship with men. Because one thing is for sure, as far as I'm aware, men have not sat down as an interest group and plotted and planned over centuries to achieve this end, whereas women have sat and met over centuries to collectivize and bullet point their their grievances and attributing it to the conscious volition of men rather than mm -hmm. perhaps indirect behavioral expressions on the journey to mastery and self-expression sure my so, so there's this um notion that uh, women have been in a subordinate position throughout uh, all or, or most of history and you know maybe in some ways that they were and yeah is that orchestrated or was that a consequence of biology in the sense that you know um in a, in a situation of scarcity men have a bigger stature and are going to have to go out and kill some deer and bring yeah. some food and fight with neighboring tribes to protect women who might otherwise yeah. be raped and therefore by virtue of their stature they may um you know find themselves in the more what's the opposite of subordinate and superior superior position mm. before like i really want to you've got a completely different perspective on this that i haven't really heard elsewhere i'm yeah. not super well versed in your views which is why it's yeah. going to be really exciting to open you up but before we do that i wanted to try <laughs> we're going to put you in a subordinate position if you oh, don't thanks. perform well in this interview or something <laughs> so <laughs> so what so what i wanted to do before that is um you know, assert my dominance, my patriarchal dominance over the conversation <laughs> by doing a little bit of an experiment about a conversation we can have before we tap your gold mine of knowledge, which is okay. to talk about what it would look like if we did live in a patriarchal society compared to what we live in now. And these are some points that I've uh, thought of or collected. First of all, I think that women would be trained and conditioned to desire promiscuous sex constantly and uh, hand it out to men left, right, and center instead totally of uh, instead of being like locked, looked down upon and slut shamed. They'd be like the more the more you handed it out, the more you the more virtuous and, and the more desirable you'd, you'd be. be. Yeah. And in yeah. some societies, we've had different views to sex. So we see in our society say someone who's virginal male or female is innocent right if you lived in ancient greece and you were a dude that wasn't interested in sex you wouldn't be seen as innocent you would be seen as weird because your city state has enemies and you're meant to have kids to join the army to protect your city state so different cultures have different views towards sex yeah can i just cut and quickly Please there? Do. yeah okay uh you, what was it you said about uh, men vir virgins in our society being 
sort of innocent innocent okay but female virgins are looked upon as something desirable male virgins are something That's to be derided usually mm. by both males and females you know oh you're a virgin you never had sex before you know blah blah blah, right. blah. that's something that a man gets picked on for um that's both true. by men and women whereas for for women for a woman it's something uh, desirable well especially when it came to marriage in the past but personally yeah. i'd rather someone who knew what she was doing but <laughs> okay. uh, i can see why when someone people have that appeal First of all, I think that women would pay for dinner dates and only women would be drafted into the military instead of 97% of combat deaths being male. Yeah. In the States, there's seven offices of women's health and there are no offices of men's health. So when we look across the world, governments have been trying to create um, balance by creating departments specifically for women but i don't think there's many departments being created for men even when there are legitimate men's issues which i'm sure we'll get into mm -hmm. um and it's seen as subversive to create a men's department because oh no men are already dominant but then when you look at things like um the vast majority of hazardous jobs are done by men and 94% of workplace deaths are male or the fact that the, almost all of the most unpleasant jobs like refuse collector are done by sewage, men, sewage, working, sewage yeah. workers and things like that are done by men. So if this was reversed and women were doing all the most unpleasant and dangerous jobs and dying at the workplace there would definitely be government departments created to try and deal with this college admissions are now majority women men would be assumed to have the right to decide what happened to their children as opposed to 94 percent of the time custody being handed to women. This is what a patriarchal society that was created by men for the benefit of men would do. I'm not saying that men don't have certain privileges. They do. Women have certain privileges as well. Uh, but, but we cannot look at the society and conclude that it's been created to benefit whales, males. <laughs> <laughs> it's not created to benefit whales either. Um, when you look at the fact that 76% of homicides are, are men being killed, 80% of suicides are male suicides, and this has started to come into the media, and people are starting to deal with, with, with that, but it took a long time. There's 300,000 rapes of males in American prisons and uh, a year, I believe, and we're meant to see, you know, no one's talking about that rape culture, but that's more than the number of rapes of females outside of um, prisons by a factor of many. And that's something under the government's watch, the government could do something about, but it's not seen as a problem. 93% um, of the prison population in America don't have figures for here in the UK are male. Men get convicted more often for the same crimes as women and get far harsher sentences than women for the same crime. Uh, average sentence in the US by crime, female 18.51 months, male 51.52 months. Corporal punishment, boys are um, spanked three times as often as women. Capital punishment, it's all mostly men. Now, if this was all mostly blacks, people would say, oh my God, there's a grievous injustice 
I'm sorry for going on so long, but people need to know these facts. Just one more, right? We hear that men earn more money than women, but we have to a degree a market economy um, to maybe fifth the tune of at least 50% of the economy is a market economy. Women account for 88% of purchases and the power is not with who earns the money, the so power is it. who spends it. So not everyone's idea of power is working longer hours at more dangerous and unpleasant jobs to earn more money that someone else gets to spend. Oh, you die four, three to four years Six earlier. Six years earlier. Six years, okay. Men pay 75 billion more in taxes in the UK than women, whereas far more welfare is paid to women than to men. So, so. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't really, on that evidence, it doesn't really look like a patriarchal society. Right, it doesn't look like the society's been set up to benefit men. Um, and, What's more, a lot of men are certainly in power, and this is a valid point that women can say, you know. But many of them voted in by women. Many of them voted in by women. And, and what's more, um, they, just because most people in power are men doesn't mean most men feel empowered, yeah. right? Or, 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 or feel like they're powerful in their life. I'm not saying that there aren't issues facing women like I've got a friend that's a jazz singer and says you know whenever she 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 wants to get taken seriously and you know get together with musicians and guys and put bands together and stuff like that people you know want to meet up with her and then they just hit on her and don't take her seriously as a musician and things like that she, she okay, that's kind of any, annoying she ever appeared in any jazz magazine <laughs> <laughs> well uh, I mean that kind of things happens. I'm sure that sometimes women enter a boardroom and things like that and are spoken and, and are not taken seriously. Okay. So you know, women need to But you're not taken seriously in the boardroom if you're a young guy. You know, if the guys not, in there are senior not. to you or you know, or you're maybe from a background that sure. doesn't fit in with that particular culture or that particular business culture. So anyway, can yeah. we get our guest to, uh, to so, go? So that was just our, our introduction and I hope that you'll take the floor. Well, I'm to be honest. I'm enjoying your take. You know, I've been, you know, uh, I have been working on this subject on the subject of gender for over twenty years, and on this uh, speaking out on relationships with patriarchy for ten years. And I always enjoy hearing people's personal perspective and experiences because it's it's only by multiple voices on the floor that we can find out that I'm not just some ranting misogynistic lunatic that is, uh, you know, um, just trying trying to stem the tide of uh, common sense Im imbued within feminism or something like that. So hearing your voices, hearing your positions, hearing your, your perspective and the facts that you've dug up, not from my mouth, helps balance the argument, the, the debate out. I, I also really enjoy hearing your perspective because it, it brings up extra links in my mind and, and triggers me in particular directions. Um, I liked what you were saying there, Anthony, about how it shows that, or the, the points that you're making show that uh, while me, certain men may be enjoying certain aspects of privilege, that uh, and again putting that on a par with women enjoying other aspects of privilege, um, you know those facts that you are stating do point out that it doesn't look like the whole culture was set up intentionally to benefit men. And I think that's a great way to start start the whole yeah. thing out. Um, I think you you there's another there's another factor that comes in here because obviously the gender pay gap comes up a lot and the you know other various things. And I think the one of the issues I've encountered when dealing with the 
feminist movement is the issue with chronology and the timeline and also right. geography and the boundaries over the times that we're talking about and the, geo the, the geographical boundaries that we're talking about become very, very blurry in favour of the current argument, you know, and um, I've seen that in evidenced as, uh, you know, so for example, gender pay gap is an interesting one because I think what has to be taken into account is when women started to enter the workplace and how many well-established old wealthy organizations with well-established boards of men were at the top. And if we look at the pace of change, then um, I think if we, you know, okay, maybe if you look at all the boardrooms across the board, there might not be a 50-50 split. Should there be a 50-50 split? Probably not. It should be, you know, meritocratically determined anyway. But the point being that if we said that, you know, you've got some people that have been in their jobs for over 50 years, 40, 50 years, and you've got women entering those those places for perhaps just as long, then we have to allow time for the filtering and the skills development to allow them to rise into those positions. And if we look at the no pace question. of change, if we look at the pace of change, I just don't think it could have shifted any faster without, mm. uh, and the kind of demand that's coming from some of the younger feminists I've seen now, and I'm generalizing, is basically, look, it's still not even, just give us the keys and the salary on your way out, get out, you know, because they want mm. in on the basis of gender rather than, sorry, on the basis of sex, not gender, on the basis of sex, not on the basis of merit. And uh, yeah. this is this is just a, a madness ensuing. Um, but the, the thing we've got to go back to here is uh, is, is our definitions, really. Uh, yeah. I agree with you, we've got to define what we're talking about here. And uh, you hit the nail on the head, Anthony, right at the beginning when we were talking about biology. You know, and biology is the thing that is determined um, both the skill sets and the positions of men and women in in um, preceding centuries and even millennia. Uh, this is the, the the problem we've got dealing with this now is the total disassociation from biology when people are discussing subjects like gender. Um, there, there seems to be a total mental disembodiment that's taken place within academia that's now spilling out everywhere else that is that has allowed people to completely disassociate from their bodies when they're discussing things. Um, I'm kind of going to feed into that a little bit to help save men from these accusations that they are that they are be, being um, that is being laid at their feet as if it's some kind of intentional act. But we'll have to do that throughout the, out the, out the sure. course of the chat. But as you were saying earlier, you know, um, this idea of a subordinate position I think that is that goes hand in hand with I with another term that I don't like, which is the term opposite sex. Okay, opposite implies conflict, it implies mm. kind of confrontation, it implies the you know quite a quite a, you know not necessarily a, a friendly interaction or relationship. Whereas I prefer to use the term complementary sex. Yes, I agree. You know, it's complementary, and we're looking at complementary roles. And when we look at the power, well, I'm I'm all in favour of complementary sex. To be fair, but. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. You know what? I, I, I didn't even see the angle, Tam, so I really appreciate you for grabbing that one and waving it around a bit. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's all favour complimentary sex. So, I think um, that's you know, that even the sex-positive feminists can get behind us when it comes yeah, to... Yeah, I think they would. I think they would. The sex-positive ones would for sure, that's for sure. Um, so, historically, I think is where we have to look at uh, what defines power. And what defines privilege as well? I mean, I'm not. I don't think we're even going to have time to define those things. But I think if we look at where men were enjoying their power in in times gone by, and where women were enjoying power, but they're choosing to gloss over that now, 
is part of the issue here because what we're seeing is an encroachment of women onto traditional men's uh, arenas, which is absolutely fine in my gender work. There's no, that's actually normal part of gender progression, mm -hmm. which we'll get into in a moment. The issue here is to do with the way in which it's being done, you know, which is to uh, abandon the position of traditional female and feminine power and kind of leave that all hanging loose, which is basically that the entire remit of the domestic zone. And when I say the domestic zone, I don't just mean the home. I mean the homestead, the steading, the community, whatever it would be. So if we go way, way back to sort of like hunter-gatherer tribes, this is where uh, my gender work really has to start with people so they get a sense of where the power lies. Because if you just were to say, well, stereotypically and traditionally, where would you find the men and where would you find the women? You would traditionally find the men for reasons that you stated, Auntie, which is biologically stronger, faster, bursts of power, things like that, uh, that would make them just biologically aggression, better built to go out. Yeah, aggression as well, absolutely. Aggression, uh, detachment, you know, objectivity. Mm -hmm. These are all qualities that are hardwired biologically into men from the introduction of testosterone in the womb. So in the womb, men enjoy objectivity and detachment at a cost because when testosterone is introduced to the fetus in the womb, it burns certain nerve endings between the left and right brain. And this, this cannot be undone. And this, it doesn't mean men don't feel in the same way as women do. They do feel, but it allows an objectivity that cannot be replaced. It's like at the minute, you know, there's certain biological things built into the pelvic structure of men that allows them to have the strength density they've now got so that no matter what happens in so-called sex change operations, you cannot change some of these biologically built-in features, as we're yeah. seeing now with men winning all of the women's events, yeah, yeah. applying themselves to, you know, they're, yeah. they're winning weightlifting, they're winning yeah. women cycling, the women winning yeah. women of the year in America. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> how, how, uh, I mean, even, even something just basic, like grip, yeah, you know the the, the the strength of a man's grip. You know, even like when, yeah. when when MMA. You know, when you've got a man who's had a sex change is in there, absolutely yeah. punching lumps out of women. You know, because yeah. he can, because he's, he's, he's yeah. that physicality is there. Physical structure. Yeah. So exactly, exactly. But these, but the modern academia will completely gloss over all of that and make out that that's somehow socially engineered in some way when mm -hmm. they're just not looking at the biology at all it's it's um what we're dealing with here is a madness we're dealing with an absolute madness and this is, comes yeah. sorry sorry Chris, no 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 you carry on go on i want to keep it alive so this really kind of comes out when you see some of the ways that we are told there's inequality between men and women say in um, certain scientific subjects that women just aren't interested in, right? The sciences opened up to women and lots of women went, say, into biology. Yeah. They went into psychotherapy. Wonderful, right? But they're just not really that interested in mechanical engineering yes. or chemical engineering. It just doesn't interest many women. Those who do take an interest in it get jobs no problem because everyone wants to meet a gender quota. And then yeah. they're disadvantaged because no one knows if they're there because they're good or they just got the job because they're a woman. Then you look at something like when women tend to earn $500,000, they stop chasing promotions. They're not interested in it. They want more time with their friends and family. Whereas the yeah. guy will just keep on chasing a promotion and chasing a promotion. Because broadly speaking, men and women have different interests and there's nothing wrong with that. But then people assume because women and men are equally 
represented in some field or another is because of discrimination rather than the choices that people make. And I very strongly believe that, you know, if you want to uh, pursue um, being a chemist as a woman, wonderful, you should do that. If you want to pursue being a stay-at-home dad as a man, wonderful. You just need to find someone that's going to compliment you. And I, I, I think as long as everyone's got the option of doing that, then that, that's great. But we should not expect women to become more and more like men and men to become more and more like women just because they give them the option to. Well, it's social engineering, really, we're talking about. It is, and it's already happened. It is. It's yeah. happened. And what we've got is we've got femi-men, feminized men that are ashamed of and terrified of their masculinity with nowhere to practice it, nowhere to get good at it, nowhere to evolve it beyond being a Neanderthal. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then you've got the women that have been masculinized to the point where, you know, their, their idea of women's power and the women's power movement is to become more masculine and to mm. behave like men and take on men's roles when it's like, well, that's, that's not women's power. That's, that's, that's yeah. men's power. You know, mm. and what's funny is that the men are taking on a lot of these traditional female strengths, empathy and emotional compensation and various other ways of uh, connecting, which is fine because we do need a balance in it. But the fact that it's, it's been done at the cost of their masculine means that we've got a whole bunch of lopsided men and lopsided women out there that are struggling to learn how to relate with each other anymore because they're both actually afraid of their 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 birth gender, their born gender, because men in, in their masculine, I'll get onto what I mean by masculinity and femininity in a minute, but yeah. men in their masculine feel vulnerable when they're practicing it. Women in their feminine feel vulnerable when they're practicing it. And so mm -hmm. there is a thing where um, where we all, we all gender flip ourselves. This is the, so my, my, my gender work is based on the Toltec gender system. I don't know if many okay. people are familiar with the Toltecs. Um, no, let's so elucidate like, for, for us. Yeah. Hmm? Just elucidate. Uh, yeah, so some, some people might have heard of the work of Don Miguel Ruiz or Carlos Castaneda. They're kind of well-known Toltecs. None of them were talking about gender, though. The main gender guy is an African seer called Hayun uh, Mares. He's no longer with us. His books are a bit dated now, but they're what got me started over 20 years ago. And the premise within that is um, one of, of, of complementariness between men and women. Um, where both have masculinity and femininity in them, yeah. but when we when we are um, when we are sexed, at, you know, in the womb and at birth, one of our tool sets is kind of externalized. You know, we have an externalized tool set for whatever it is we're going to do in, do in life. It doesn't mean we don't men don't have access to the feminine or women don't have access to the masculine. They do, but it's about. Uh, you know, which one's going to be easier to use really in the long term and which one is going to be able to, to, to be your, your better pathway to power uh, in, in life. But in the Toltec system, what is, what is quite clear is that um, because those doorways to power involve us being vulnerable, trying new things and, and uh, um, exhibiting the behaviours of the gender, like I said, I'll clarify that in a moment, most people flip it to the opposite because they feel stronger. So I better clarify what I mean, first of all, by gender, because most people out there are now talking about how gender is how you feel. Um, and, then, yeah. and, you know, to some extent, there's an element of rightness there, but it's not anchored to anything. So in, in my, my work on gender, it's gender in the human form is an expression of electromagnetism. It's electromagnetism in the masculine in all of us is the electrical. And this is why men have these, they, they have these charged bursts 
And uh, what, what you'll find is that there are times, so men have a charge cycle in the same way that women have a menstrual cycle. You just okay. they aren't as aware of it. So there are times when you feel that you can take charge of things. When you're with your woman or your partner, there are times when you feel like you're, 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 you're masculine, you're powerful, and you can feel like you can be the, be the container for her massive femininity. Now, that's not to control it. It's about containment. We'll get to that in a bit. And I'm sure women out there will know what it feels like when the man can hold them in that space of, of sexual excitement and arousal. And then there's other times in a man's charge cycle when he feels like a little dinghy bobbing on the ocean of her vast femininity. And if you look for those ebbs and flows in your own cycle, you'll find out that also another way a man can note when he's at the peak of his charge cycle is when he wants to, you know, get it on, you know, multiple times a day. And you might find that periodically there's these times when you're just surging, desperate for some sex or some action, and you can let go a number of times a day, and that'll happen for a couple of days, and then it'll ebb off into slightly less importance for a while, and you won't have quite as much oomph. And this is literally uh, the, the masculine equivalent of the female's menstrual cycle. But what's interesting okay. is that a man's capacity in that area is deemed to be about weakness, whereas a woman's is deemed to be just about biology. And my quest in all of this is to say, well, look at what women have achieved by being mature and open about their menstrual cycle. They have managed to get permission and social tolerance for behaviors that might ordinarily be unacceptable or ones that would actually um, upset their relationships. And yet when sure. people hear it's their time of the month, everyone's all right with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas there's no tolerance there for the man when he's at the peak of his, his sex, his, his, his charge cycle, and his woman's just annoyed at the fact that he keeps coming on to her. And it's like, and, and it's, it's, been, it's been put down to either being Animalistic and weak on one front or, yeah. Yeah. or you know, um, or, or, a, or an act of discipline, whereas nobody, nobody makes the same demands upon women when they're in their charge cycle. Now, there's a whole host of associated behaviors that go with this to do with the mastery of the masculine. So, for example, uh, but we'll get onto that in a moment. Let's just look at the feminine for a moment. So the feminine is the magnetic. So women out there, what they've got to deal with is that, and, and I'm sure the women will be aware of it, is they've got to deal with their inherent attraction. And what's happening right. is, and this is why what women have to deal with, like your, your musician friend, what you're talking about with people hitting on her and stuff like that is, well, this is going to happen when you're an attractive female. When you're a woman in your mm. power, and the femininity is there as well, you have, to, you have to cultivate the skills that go with that, which is about how do you maintain a healthy boundary when you are exerting, a, you know, exhibiting, a, you know, attractive potency. And it's magnetic, literally magnetic. Now, men and women alike have to, have to handle the energies of charge and magnetism. And it's how we balance these is actually what gender is. And I think the confusion a lot of people are exp experiencing in the gender area is because they don't know how to know when they're in their masculine or when they're in their feminine, which is why we now have this language of, oh, gender is just what you feel, you know, and you can be gender yeah. fluid, pansexual, non-binary, whatever. And uh, really my passion in this work is to give these, what I consider to be confused individuals, an anchor point to rest upon. And more than that, to recognize that we already have perfect gender language built into our language that fits for everybody, regardless of physical sex, that acknowledges masculine expression and feminine expression. And uh, we can look at a few examples of that if you want to. Um, but I think for a minute here, I just want to look at the issue. There's a couple of nods and we'll come back to that because the key point here was here and the subject, and I'm aware that we are on a timeline as well. Oh, we've got oh my time. goodness. Oh, we've got time. Okay, fair enough. 
So the issue we've got here is with this idea of patriarchy, and this is the symbol I keep coming back to, and it's the 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 the, the kind of the grounding point for this, uh, you know, this uh, energy of the masculine charge that I want to get onto. Because my issue with most men is that they don't know how to take charge anymore. Okay. They don't know how to take uh, charge of situations, to take charge of themselves. And when I mean that, I don't mean that in terms of charge over others. I don't mean that in this idea of oppressive oppression of others. It's self-mastery, exactly. It's Which leads to mastery in situations. Exactly. And it leads to your increased magnetism, your increased um, potency, your increased effectiveness, because hmm. your deeds carry weight, they carry charge, and people are aware of it, they feel it. Yes. And uh, the problem we've got is our culture is set up for the spasmic discharge of masculine charge. So what you've got is, You've got this idea that men are are in charge somehow, but if the, if we look, I mean, I've said this. I mean, there may be listeners that have heard it before, but there will, there will be some that haven't. We're meant to live in a patriarchy that you know. Here we are. We're, we're three men here chatting. There's places yeah. that you and I cannot go unless we wear certain clothes. We're actually not allowed in. There's other men on the door that will say you cannot get in unless you are wearing something. And what is it you've got to wear in some of these places? Anybody? Can you guess? Uh, Hi. Shoes. Hi. What else? Yeah, you need shoes. But the other okay. thing is, you need a collar. All right. Okay. You don't get in unless you're collared. So you need a shirt to be on. So you need to wear. So the men are the only ones that have to wear a collar and cuffs. So the end of the garment is called a cuff. This is called a collar, and it's only the men that have to wear them. Even Bush and Blair don't get out unless they have their collar on. You don't see them in public unless they're collared. Now, to me. Just because they're fabric, it doesn't change what those words mean. And when I ask people, who wears a collar, cuffs, and is tied? Who? Is it the one that's in charge? Ever. 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 It's never the one that is in charge that is collared and cuffed. Ever. Ever. Mm -hmm. Now, we live in a graded collar system. Across the civilized world, you have blue collar and white collar workers. And it's the men that are in those classifications. You also yeah. have the dog. You have the dog collar, which is the church, and then all your police are known by their collar number. They don't even have their name. They are they are publicly collared, and they'll identify themselves by their collar number. Now, to me, and, and of course, we do get men, men and women police officers now. But the point being, how is that a patriarchy? And why, more importantly, why? There's nobody and no history book refer mm. to the introduction of that graded collar system. Why do none of us know we've got images from 200 years ago, people in roughs and funny, fuzzy, felty clothes and all the rest of it, but there's nothing talking about when this graded delineation between blue and white collar working came in and when the men became collared like this. So that's just, this is the starting point of my conversation normally because Great. this is not a conspiracy. This is not a, this is like a conversation. This is just... This is just like I, I've spoken to my mom about this. You can speak to your you can speak to your granny about this. You can speak to anybody about this because it's not new language. It isn't yeah. new language, you know. And everybody knows what a collar and cuffs is. So that's my that's my kind of starting point. But what I want to get at with that is the fact that, um, you know, you know, I accept that women have faced a challenge of their sex. Um, but my point is that the collared men are facing a challenge too. And what is collared in them is their masculine charge. It's the, the masculinity itself is called, and that so role you give has up, been taken by a, state. But right. yeah, yeah. So I was just saying, you're, uh, what you're talking about is a 
giving up of autonomy when you enter a role, whether it's at the workplace with the caller or you know your subordinate to the state, um, you're, you're you're giving up your autonomy in those capacities, and you might be being paid to do that. But mm -hmm. I, I wanted to anchor some of what you were saying to some to to debunking some more feminist myths, like yeah. um, you're talking about this. First of all, the it's the idea that men basically have been taught, say since the sixties, that um, jumping through hoops to climb up a hierarchy is actually power. But the the the, the, the that claim that power that you gain, it might be financial power, it might be some power over other men. You might get ordered to order people about. It comes at an expense. You have to take on more responsibilities. You might have to take less leisure time. You might uh, get paid more for doing a dangerous job. You might get paid for for doing an unpleasant job. So the road to power is a toll road, so to speak. Something needs yeah. to be sacrificed in order to get that power. The other thing I wanted to say was about this. Um, you're talking about mastery and men as and it feels so good as a man when you're in your power and you're in your masculine. You're like, I've got my shit together. I'm doing things well. I've got things together. And you're like, that's when you feel like it's really good to be alive. You know, you're glad to, to be here. It's a wonderful state to be in. But we, we, we've been hearing recently about how it's unfair that the media doesn't cover women's sports as much as men's sports or there's not as many women musicians that are famous or famous and uh, in any field which involves mastery we see less women uh, or less interest in women's endeavors than men's endeavors and again we are told that this is some indication of structural inequality but actually when you understand one of the reasons why men develop mastery is because biologically it helps them attract a mate you know the top guy in a corporation never has a lack of women that want to sleep with him. Um, yeah. Neither do top musicians, neither do top sports stars and things like that. Now, I'm not saying that women don't need to compete for a mate as well. They do, but not by displaying mastery, um, usually. Although, you know, I think uh, a female shredder uh, on the guitar is really sexy, but you don't see it that often. Women... Um, you know, do face the disadvantage of having to go through a beauty contest every day for no other reason than they're women. There's no question about that, but men need to face an alpha male contest every day for no other reason than they're men. So there are corollaries to the disadvantages that we each face in our gender. Yeah, I, I agree, but I think, but I think to go, to go uh, in, in tandem with that is that I think gender knowledge and insight is new. It's a new addition to the, right. the human framework of the rational, reflective, insightful, navigated terrain. And I think what is, uh, I think the challenge that we're facing here is, you know, there's almost, you know, what does, what, what does female power really look like? What does it mm. really look like? Does it look like copying men or does it look like something else? And I think in, in there lies the answer to that to that point you're making. So in, in Toltec gender, the idea is that, so the, the smallest unit, because gender is everywhere, it's in every interaction all the time. So if you look at um, the cell as the smallest unit of gender, so you have this electrical 
semi-permeable membrane that forms the boundary that is essentially the masculine component of the cell. It guards the boundary, it keeps what is inside safe, and it decides who and what gets through the gate. Um, now, uh, the, the zone within, the magnetic zone within the nucleus is, is the feminine in this instance. Now, in total gender, what happens is the masculine's role, so what they say in total gender is that men have this, this power, this burst, this capacity that is short-lived to draw upon muscular, physical, and other uh, in, uh, um, resources of ingenuity that are short-lived but potent. Short-lived but potent. And they say that these are to withstand the forays into the unknown, into the great mysteries, to be able to return with new materials, insight, or resource to hand over to the feminine, to the female, who then finds somewhere for it in the, the, the arena of the domestic unit, whether it's a cell that's processing new food, whether it's a home that's going to decide where it's going to put the deer's carcass, or whether it's a village that's going to decide where it's going to put all the, all the wheat that's been harvested or something like that. The principle remains the same. What we're dealing with here is the fact that the arena of exploration has changed. There is no longer the mapping of the physical world. It's no longer emotional forays mm. into, uh, you know, ro romantic mappings of the emotional nature of humanity. And it's no longer even delving into the ins and outs of the mind, because that's what we spent the last century doing. We're now at the tail end of that, which is, you know, this, this gender thing, which is going to be, I feel, finishing off the map of the mind before we need to burst into other territories as yet unknown. And I think this is why we're seeing a lot of stagnation in traditional areas of cultural growth, like arts, music, um, and other endeavors where we're seeing a lot of regurgitation. We're seeing a lot of regurgitation, uh, very little new genuine creativity because there's an mm. element of ent entropy that's kicked in because of the colored masculine, because the very charge energy that would give men and women using the masculine charge within them the power to access these new zones and these new insights is, uh, is, is, is basically collared to maintain a state. So I need to, I need to clarify what you were saying earlier about the collaring, Anthony, where you were talking about the handing over of autonomy. I think that is a, that's a really good take on it. I would say it goes further than that because it's actually about a, 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 um, a loss of authority and a handing over right. of authority. And really what ends up happening is it's a death of sovereignty in a way. Because what you're saying is, when it's service-based and volitional, then what you're saying is, I am going to put aside my sense of humor, my personal desires, my personal interests, all the rest of it, to provide this contracted service. So most people think right. of contract like a bit of paper. Don't think of it like a bit of paper. Think of it like contract. What you do is you contract to say, I am not going to do all the things I normally enjoy doing. And for this period of time, I'm going to do this. And that's where I will get money in exchange for it. But, um, you know, authority is bigger than that because, you know, if we look at it as a word, it's about the author. So if I say inner language, if I say reality, if we're talking about reality, then we're talking about things that are real. If we're talking about serenity, then we're talking about things that are serene. So the suffix I-T-Y, itty, on the end of something, always means the state of the thing before. So serenity, autonomy, sorry, serenity, reality. So in the, on that basis, authority is about the author. And the author is the storyteller. It's the one that tells a story. So when we are talking about the authority of your life or the you know, your family home, mum and dad are the authority. So they tell you how you live and what it looks like and all that sort of stuff. When you go for a job, the employer is the authority. They're the storyteller. So they tell you what you're going to do while you're collared, while you're there. 
But really, the, the, the issue of the colored masculine is bigger than that because it's about the big story of humanity, i.e., what is a man and woman? And what should you be doing as a man or a woman to feel like and to experience a worthwhile life? What should you be doing so that you feel like you're being a worthy contribution to the planet and existence and that you've, you've actually, you're, you're making use of your life? That's the big story and that's the one that's being challenged at the minute with authority. Now, this is where we come into the role of the masculine. There's, there's other details that really sum up uh, the role of the masculine um, you know, more, more, more succinctly than I'll be able to today, but because it requires a few tangents, I'm not going to bother. We'll just talk about okay. the nub of it, which is... What are men for? We, <laughs> yeah. Well, if we look at the, if we look at the, the, the biology, so um, in men, so women are born with all the follicles that will become their eggs. There is, they cannot produce anything new in their biological life, in their body. All of this, all any egg they put out during their menstrual cycle was there as a follicle at birth. Nothing new there. If you look at a woman when she's aroused or interested in a man, unless she's wearing some kind of skimpy t-shirt, there's going to be no visible symbol that she is sexually interested. Nothing on show. But let's look at the men in comparison mm -hmm. to that. Men are making new sperm all the time, every day. Every day there's something new going on there. Men have two distinct states to their sexuality. Two distinct states. One of them is when he's got a point, and the other one is when he's limp or flaccid, and he doesn't. One is when he's charged, and he has to discharge, and the other one is when he doesn't. So... That's one of, the, one of the ways into this conversation of seeing how women and the feminine and the female, so women as an expression of the galactic feminine or whatever, or the feminine right. in human form, are, okay. um, are about form and state. So they're about forms and states, whereas the masculine is about formless and change. It's about formless and change. Now, there's other angles on that. We, we, you know, it'd be nice to be able to go into them, but I don't think we've got the time that would really uh, pack that out for you. I mean, if you want to do it, we can do it, but it's a big thread. Um, yeah. but, don't but worry, we can always have you back. <laughs> you can indeed. That's right. That's right. So interestingly, um, this is where what's actually colored is your change energy. It's about changing the state. And that spark, we even talk about the spark, you know, the spark of an idea. That's the masculine and men and women alike. Mm. Whenever we're talking electrical, it doesn't matter what biological sex you are. Whenever we're talking electrical, it's the masculine. Whenever we're talking the magnetic, the receptive, the receiving, we're talking the feminine. Whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Even language, language and communication is a great example of this because communication is a gender subject. But because we can't work it out at a biological level, we don't even understand what conception is. To conceive an idea is gender. Conception is gender. That's what thinking is. And because we haven't got a grip of it at the most basic biological level, we can't develop the mastery required at the communicative level and the levels beyond that because gender exists in all of them. There's just no escaping it. There's no escaping this cascading, this cascading change in charge energy in all of us. So in communication, again, as an example, we already said, so in... in all, all mammal fetuses are female first. So I know the XY chromosomes are there, at, you know, originally. Yeah. But the point, the point being that um, at day 47 or 49, something happens that causes the ball's energy in men to be pointed out. 
and the bold imagery in women to be internalized, you know, and one of them becomes a tube on the, you know, a tube pointing out for men and a tube pointing in for women. But it's essentially the, the same basic bits, basically. Now, this is that, that basic difference of pointing out is how you know in communication who's in the male role, because the one that's in the male role is the one that's making the point at any time, in any conversation. And what we have in our, in our culture is the problem where communication doesn't take place because everybody's waiting to make a point and nobody's sitting in the feminine of receiving the point, being open to the point. And this is, again, is about gender misunderstanding. So when you've got a whole bunch of people sitting there just waiting to make a point, it's just a bunch of mental masturbation. You know, it's a bunch of masculine sword crossing because the people don't know how to, to flip their genders to say, ah, someone else is making a point. I can flip into receiving this. That's why I was quite happy to be to be interrupted by you, Anthony, because I could see the spark of a point in you. And I'm adept at being quite comfortable flipping my gender to saying I'm ready to receive. Someone hit me with it, you know, penetrate me with your idea so I can conceive. You know, this is how it oh, takes I love place. That. Penetrate so me with I mean. your ideas so that you can conceive. Now that is a point well made. Yes. Thank you. Well, that's what I mean. The language is already there and it's perfect and everybody gets it. Everybody already, when I do these, you know, after this hour, you know, or hour or two, people can go out and start looking at the charge moving in a room to see who's taking charge and who's making points. And everybody gets it effortlessly. And if effortlessly. you're able to give and receive, then you feel in a state of flow where you're like socially lubricated and you're getting on with people. It's like, yeah, they're really listening to me and oh yeah, that's a great point. And when you work with someone else on a project and everyone's contributing ideas and it, it creates a synergy that you know that's exactly. larger than the sum of its parts. So this exactly. is for us to learn, not just in a conceptual way to go, oh well, I mean, you know, Chris made some really interesting points in that podcast, but there's something actually here to be gained from yeah. learning to have this new conception of gender fluidity and and yeah. not in the social justice warrior sense, exactly. but in the social sense of like becoming receptive and yeah having that spark of a point um, yeah. that passion behind because you don't want to you know no one wants to be made love to by a person who isn't passionate you know and it's yeah. the same way as a conversationalist you want your point to penetrate you want to bring that passion so what's your conception of um, female power because we've he heard you mention that but we've not heard like what's a what does a woman bring in her power is it sex power or no, is it that, would, sex? that would be patriarchal for me to jump into that one wouldn't it yeah. <laughs> well i would say but i would say uh tam tam is getting close to it. it's really controversial but there mm. are there are two states that now this is where you guys now i feel like because i've been saying i've been saying, some of the stuff i've said here i've been saying for 10 years it's not news i'm going to give you guys something new today that i've never ever said publicly in a group before you heard it here first that's yeah. right and it is the to women power it is for the women but they're not going to like it you know and it okay. is uh, so there are there are two there are two states to the masculine the feminine two states in men which is the feminine and the masculine now in total gender these have archetypes and they're very very fixed archetypes and it's worth it's worth um elucidating them just to make this this final point on women's power so when men are so all human children are female regardless of their sex because gender is relative so in the conversation gender is relative because whoever's making the point shifts but gender is always relative so for example 
I may be masculine relative to my woman and she may be masculine at other times, but even though I'm a man, I am totally always feminine relative to, say, spirit or soul because I have to be open to its arousal efforts and for its desire to penetrate me. And I must be open to receiving that. Otherwise, its points won't be made in the world. You know, so I will always be feminine relative to that. So when we are boys and children, I have no points to make. I must be open to the penetrations of the world so that I can learn skills to survive. And I must receive those points from both my mother and my father. I cannot maintain the boundary. I can't protect the boundary. I can't take charge to have forays into the unknown. I'm wholly feminine when I'm a boy. So on that basis, the feminine archetype of, the ma of, of men is the boy. And we will always have the boy in us to fall back on. The boy behaviors will be our anchor. That will be our default position. And that's why we have this lad culture as part of the keeping men in the boy so that they yes. cannot take charge. It's all about stopping the men from taking charge within yeah. themselves. Because if we had men in charge of themselves, there would be no need for a state because the community would be safe, it would be well-bounded, there would be absolutely no need for a state whatsoever. Um, so, so, um, so you've got the, so, and the, by the would state- you, Would you start to this this quickly? Yeah. I mean, would you agree with me that land culture, if not created by, was certainly abetted by feminism? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, and, yeah. Can you and explain that, that to me because it's a perspective? Okay, well, so my, my perspective is that lad culture was created because, because as uh, Darren mentioned, while you're, a, while you're a boy, you're not becoming a man and therefore you can be controlled. So when you're a lad, lad culture, it's great. It lets, it lets the guys let off steam and do the laddish things, but they're not yeah. growing up properly. They're not growing up exactly. and becoming men so they can be controlled. So and, how yeah. did feminists... Create, uh, create that. I think they contributed to that by. Uh, okay, I don't I know. Maybe. Yeah, please the answer. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is. You're going to love this time because it's exactly the answer you're looking for that clears that up okay. for you. And it is to do with what the masculine in a woman is. So, yeah. let's remember the masculine is always the point maker. Okay, it's always the point maker. So, so this is why. Um. Um. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We're going on a tangent there. So. In that family unit, again, because the mother is protecting the boundary for the children, she's handing the resources in when they're ready, she's making the points to the children and penetrating them with the new ideas and all the rest of it. Some of it's mind rape, some of it's not, you know, same as with men. Um, the, the name of the masculine archetype in women is called the mother. And what happens in a relationship is that if the man is not in his man and he's in his boy by default, Women cannot help but mother him. It's got nothing mm. to do with behavior. It's not behavioral. It is pure gender energy. And it's to do with, it's to do with how men, the, the initiation of a man is different. Because men and women both start off feminine, women just have to strengthen their feminine, whereas men have to flip a gender. It's completely different. And this is why you get this earlier maturation in girls than you do in boys. It's because they're already anchored in the gender they're going to remain in, whereas men have to actually consciously and actively flip a gender, which is why there would be rites of passage for men having initiations, but not women, because the women's rite of passage is marked by the production of another form, another state, yeah. which is a child. Childbirth is a 
fixed initiation for women. Men's is different because their energy is completely different. So what we're dealing with with feminism is because because you know this 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 gender rebalancing has been happening for over a hundred years. So if we go back to the old Victorian model of of of, of sexual interaction, what we had was a very fixed behaviors of men and women. But then something happened. Feminism started first, which was the beginning of the strengthening of the masculine and women, because they were looking to take some charge. They were looking to make some points. So they got better at it. And they were mm. supported by lots of men. They were also challenged by lots of men, but they used the transactionalization of sex to get their way. And so they, that was when you know the withdrawal of sex was used to get men to side with the, the, the cause of feminism, which was fine. So this, the masculinity in women got strengthened first. But then something happened to the men. And it what happened in around 19 whatever, 1907, 1911, but it was the World War One. And what happened to entire swathes of men was that they were literally wiped out, wiped out. Now, for me, any woman, because the bizarre thing we are dealing with now today as men is women are being fed a story of oppression for women centuries long as if it was all still happening today and as if yeah. no man had paid the price for those deeds centuries old. And I say... Those men in those trenches paid in full because they died screaming, terrified with the wails of their brothers beside them in the stench of feces, piss, guts and blood. They paid in full, paid in full. No more balance from then. If you want to talk about stuff going on today, fair enough. But don't be dredging up stuff from then as if nobody had paid the price for that. But what happened? So that was the loss. That was the decimation of that old, that old gender model, that old that old way of thinking. Where were the boys when the men were off at war? Where were they? Where were the boys? Home with the, their mothers. Home with mum. And that rem the removal of the masculine influence and the, the extra feminine influence was the beginning of the feminization of the men. Yeah, now, what's right. happened over successive wars is, and the world wars of the 20th, 20th century, is we've seen further decimation of the male model and an ever-increasing masculinization of women, feminization of men, to the state we're now at today, where because women went first, their masculine is super strong. We're dealing with a super strong mother archetype. And that's what the, the, the toxic feminism is. It's ungrounded yes, mat maternalism, basically. And, and, think, uh, and, and women will be, a mother will be absolutely vicious in protecting her children. And that's what you get with the feminist movement as well. With these people are victims. If you, if you approach yes. upon a victim, we will eviscerate you. And they're brutal yes. and heartless yes. and yes. critics. And so is a yes. woman who's taking care of her child. Now we have a situation where for a long time most of the teachers in school are women. Now, yep. um, not only that, but the way that they teach in schools is more in line with the way that women best learn rather than the way that boys best learn. So yep. what we have is boys learning to suck up to women other yep. rather in order not to avoid trouble. And anyone... Uh, man listening to this uh, and um, who's had a partner and women listening to this who's got a male partner will agree, you know, women hate it when their men treat them like they need their permission to do, so, to, to do exactly. something. They hate when their man defers to them. Why do they want to be put in the position of like, you know, should I do this or should I do that? And then 
if they say, well, do that, and it turns out to be the wrong decision, then you're going to say, well, babe, you told me to do that, and I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to do this other thing. You know, women really – women love when their men know what they're doing. Take charge. Exactly. Take charge. And that allows <laughs> and that allows your women to be a cheerleader for you and, like, be your biggest fan and biggest supporter. Yeah. And women love – being the, the the biggest fan of their man, but they don't yeah. want to give him instructions. Exactly. Because then she's his mother, yeah. not his yes. cheerleader. Exactly. Now that some women want that at first because of the illusion of control it does, but what, what it gives, but what it does do is it actually because and this is the thing because they feel they, they temporarily feel stronger like that, and that's that gender flipping I was talking about. Right, I hear you. They put their masculine yeah, so they've got the and but you, this is what the men are doing is they've got the boy on the outside because it feels safer, it feels safer. So we've all got a gender flip and hiding in amongst that safe zone, and um, but but what they'll find is over time is that they will not be satisfied. They will end mm. up unhappy and resentful, and then we'll end up then then what we end up with is the toxic feminism, which is the movement of the disappointed female, the let down female. It's like almost like the, the the movement of the wounded vagina is what I call it, where these, these women have. But the thing is, they've been let down. The men were meant yeah. to keep them safe, and you bloody didn't. You didn't. Yeah. Where were you? You know. And the young men today, and I was one of them. I'm still fighting the femi, the feminization of me, which was I bought. I mean, I grew up in the in the 80s, and I bought the Cosmo myth, where oh, women are telling us what they want. They must yeah. know. No. They must know. They must know. So if I do that, then hey, my chances, I'm in. Rubbish. I've never yeah. met anybody who went down that femi-man route that is, is in a happy, long-term relationship that they're still in. Yeah, many of them had long-term relationships, 10 plus, 15 years. They're all finished now. None of them are still in their relationships because that, that and a lot of the women went off with traditional manly men. And it was because they, were, they enjoyed being able to fall into their feminine for a bit and to enjoy the feminine mm. power for a bit, to enjoy feeling safe and trusting the man to do so and not having to do all those decisions. It's a total myth that men and women have been fed to turn them against each other. And the problem we've got here is um, that is that whole men and women should do the same, you know? Equality means the same. Yeah. Rubbish. Yeah. Rubbish. Equality is we complement each other beautifully because we do different things. We perform different roles in the unit of the human battery, the electromagnetic battery, where the charge rises in the man, the woman takes it from him. You yeah. can do stuff with that. And that's the funny thing is men have forgotten how to give it to women in terms of charge and women have forgotten how to take it from men. Yeah. You know, and I'll tell you what, that some of the most satisfied women I know they love it and want their man to give it to them. And the men love it when the woman can take it. And it's charge we're talking about here. It's charge yeah. and power. Now what we've got with the men is we've got an entire culture set up for you to be the spasmic placid boy. So that the second any charge stirs in you, you can go and spend it on some porn. You can go and suppress it with some drugs and alcohol freely any day of the week. Or if you if you if you need more than that, if you if you're a bit more charged than that, you can go to the football stadium at the weekend, which is all about the spasmic venting of masculinity, and just go. <laughs> and you'll see that men, men, men wait for that moment, even if they're by themselves in the pub. You can see a man, if there's, you know, you could be sitting in a pub and all of a sudden you hear one man out of nowhere go, whoa! And you look over and be like, what? And you see he was watching the football and suddenly everybody's all right with it. A bit like a woman on a menstrual cycle, everyone's all right with it. But he's been like, 
waiting for that minute all week because it's the only time that he's allowed to let that charge energy move through him. But it's spasmic. It's not yeah. dexterous. It's not skillful. And this is the problem we've got is that the world is calling for us to be as skillful with our masculinity as we are with our bodies. And we were spasmic with these bodies when we first picked them up. You know, you look yeah. at how you wear as a baby on the mat. You get your legs and arms, you can use them at all. And now you can do all sorts of fancy stuff with them, but only by using them and getting it wrong. Using them, getting it wrong. Using them, getting it wrong. Using them, yeah. getting it wrong. We sure want to do the same with our gender energy, and we don't get the space for it. It's like, that, you know, there's no, no space for men to become skillful. And if you're anything like me, the very first times you started to show your gender energy, you were met with derision, judgment, scorn. You know, the whole yeah. shit match. I'm not saying women are any different in that respect, yeah. but the point being, everyone's looking in the world for change. Where's the energy for change to come from? And at the minute, people are looking, saying, oh, and all the feminist men are saying, oh, let the women do it. Let's step aside. Yeah. Step aside. Like, what do you mean, step aside? That's not how it works, step aside. What are you doing? You know, you just want to be sofa boy at home sort of thing. Yeah. That's not it at all, you know? It's about but, the men rising to a new challenge. Yes, go. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I was only going to say, there's a, there seems to me an, a, a, an incredible contradiction uh when i'm dealing with feminists and they talk well first of all they yeah I okay. <laughs> many of them will deny they, they cannot allow a gender difference in the door because as soon as because as soon as you have gender differences then men may in fact be better at some things than women and that just cannot be allowed right so there's exactly so they'll say okay it's all it's all social construct but then at the same time they will say they will talk about toxic masculinity and they'll talk about this 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 mask you know masculinity is either it's either to be feared or it's to be mocked yeah you know the, the idea you know the, the kind of uh, the macho kind of the guy with the big droopy mustache and the the, the, the shirt open to the chest and the medallion and you kind of like the crazy hair you know this is masculinity to be this it's to be mocked it's either yeah. to be feared or mocked and yeah. you go well how does that work with gender being a social construct if you actually you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, yeah. is, it, is it something that you've, you've, you've discussed yourself? You, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with yeah. you. Part of this, the problem we've got with gender studies is that... Yeah. So, well, it's in so, fact women's studies. It is indeed. Um, but yeah. the other thing we've got is that... Uh, so when Fro a lot of Freud's findings, so Sigmund Freud, some of his findings were debunked by later psychologists because they mm. were saying, well, he was only dealing with fringe cases of people that already had problems. And yeah. to ex try to extrapolate that across the general population who aren't unwell is n not, you know, only partially applicable at best. And that's what's been discovered over the years is that it's only partially applicable at best. And uh, other psychologists have filled the gaps and obviously there's still relevant stuff in what Freud had. The problem we've got with gender studies over the last 40 years is that it's been the same thing. What we've got is, um, you know, homosexual and gender confused individuals who are writing from the position of their gender exploration and informing this and women who are also writing from the position of their gender exploration and no virtually no heterosexual men writing anything or no uh, hetero content coming out to, to to just be on the bookshelf next to these other and that's, and what has been written is not included they don't teach warren farrell the myth of male power or why men are they the way they are they don't exactly. look at the, and these are wonderful texts that they are very, they very are. resourceful yeah. And, and also more um, recent though, they're more recent. All of those are more recent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're 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 late for getting in. So the gender studies door was already that wide mm -hmm. before then. It had already created that disassociation, which was about justification and permission for people to make peace with themselves. That's where that yeah. gender disembodiment came from. You had people who were 
gender confused, who needed to make peace with themselves, people who had made decisions, people who had discussed like homosexuality, for example, when it was first becoming more widespread in the sort of 60s and 70s, was that we had people who were looking to uh, be understood and looking to fit in and looking to to uh, you know make sense of themselves in a culture that nobody could nobody could make sense of. So they were writing from that position, and this was informing all this, all these, all the the general population of the subject of gender. And what we're seeing now, when like you're saying, Anthony, some of these really good works on myth of male power, manipulated man, Tyrone Mara's work on gender, they do not even get in the door because. The feminists had already Marxist feminists, I should yeah. add, had already yeah. had already taken charge. You know, they'd already taken charge. They'd already and what they were doing is they're using the masculine against the men, which is to say, well, we're going to use this charge and then we're going to use the maternal scathing scorn to keep you in your boy and keep reiterating things like all men are boys and all the rest of it, which is just the how the mother archetype works. The only way out of it is then the only way to change this is not by dialogue. It's not by um entering into the woman's miasma with them. It is about men learning to become dexterous with their charge and through that naturally causing women to flip their own genders because all of a sudden they they, they, they feel the potency of charge that allows them to say, oh, and this isn't happening on a conscious, rational, insightful level. It's happening on a gender level where, where um, women will naturally feel that it's all right for their gender to flip. And it happens, right. you, you know, I don't know if you've come across the red pill movement at all. Yeah, of course. Red yeah. Pill, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. so red pill is, I consider that to be almost like the male equivalent of feminism where men have sat down and listed their issues that they have with women. But there's a lot of really good intellectual, rational insight that's come out of that. And one of the things I've noticed that they use in red pill is this, all women are like that thing. And whenever yeah. they're making statements from the all women are like that position, and obviously loads of women are railing up with, I'm not like that, I'm an individual or whatever, what they don't realize is that for every single one of those cases, the men are actually talking about the use of gender energy. Okay. The use of it, because when you work at the gender level, you can almost ignore behavior. You can ignore behavior because when you're working with gender, it just works, you know. So if you, so for example, let's look at the communication, for example, because let's not talk about physical sex, it's not a great example for that, but in, in a communication sense, um, you know, uh, ah, I've lost my point. I feel like I was going to digress there, so I don't actually want to digress. I feel like okay. I'm going to digress in there. But, but I mean, when they say you know, all women are like that, I mean, for me, it's just it's enough women are like that that makes you sort of make those judgment calls on a daily basis. Say, okay, yeah. maybe she's not like that, but unfortunately, enough women are like that, so I have to kind of, I have to proceed on yeah. the assumption that she is like that. Otherwise, I'm going to get, I'm going to be the damaged one here. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's okay. the interesting thing about it is it's about um, yeah. To me, those actions are indirect actions that you take. Although they may manifest yeah. directly, you're acting indirectly to evoke a gender change, which is to get the woman out of her point maker into her receptive, willingly because she wants to. It's not. It's not control. It's not oppression. It's actually gender just working as it, how it has always naturally worked. Yes, there will be people who will exploit that. Those are what we call pickup artists. They're exploiting it. Yeah. But there are those that, 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 that it's, it's, it's about becoming dexterous with that aspect of gender. And it's something yeah. that, that whether you want to face it or you don't want to face it, it's there. You know, it's something like, like gravity or any yeah. other universal yeah, yeah, exactly. law. You know, like exactly. The thing is, that's the way the world works. Like, exactly, you know, yeah. certain things create attraction between men and women. And if you don't like it's like, well, you know, if you don't like it, I'm sorry, you know, the, nature doesn't give a shit about yeah. what we want. 
Right? Yeah, yeah. If, if nature gave a crap about what we want, we would all be attracted to the most virtuous, kind women in the world, not the yeah. beautiful, voluptuous young ones. And women would be attracted to the most loving, devoted men, not yeah. the ones that have high status and create chemistry and whatever, yeah. what other, ever other qualities. Nature well, is concerned with recreating itself and exactly. recreating the species. So what exactly. nature wants comes first, and then on top of that, you're allowed to have what you want. Yeah. But that's always built on top yeah. of a biological now, basis. I mean, just yeah, ironically, right. ironically, you've mentioned the pickup artistry uh, thing, and I, ironically, I feel that it's another thing that feminism inadvertently created because, Absolutely. yeah, because it, it teaches 100%. young men to validate themselves by female approval. The more exactly. women I sleep with, the more women have approved of me. Therefore, you know, I'm I'm valid as a as a as a human being. I'm valid as a man. Yeah, yeah, and also though, but more than that, in terms of the the very fact that men have had to meet and decide how to get around the masculinity of women, which they call the bitch yeah. shield and pick up. You know, that's yeah. the masculine. And say, well, how do I get this this woman out of her masculine because society has primed her to distrust me because I'm mm. a man and put her into this gender flip and actually society has abused her to put her in that position it's abuse and that's why yeah. you usually find people doing that are drinking alcohol and taking drugs it's because they're actually not happy they're actually not yeah. happy and what you were talking yeah. about earlier Anthony which is nature nature's prerogative is that normally we would discover nature's prerogative by penetrating it. We would explore the world, we'd penetrate nature, we would find new ideas and have experiences that would tell us how nature works. But our, the modern children don't get a chance to grow up in nature. They are, uh, for most of the daylight hours, taken into a boxed room uh, to, to be fed abstractions uh, right the way up until they're in their early 20s in some cases, if they go into higher education, where they've barely spent hardly any time in a field or woods or whatever, and um, that's allowed them to be literally programmed with unnatural ideas. And they yeah. then go acting upon these unnatural ideas that have no basis in nature, but, uh, and, and, but in, so, in, in human community, they can maintain it for a while and until they do accumulate actual experience in the world. But by then, they're in their 40s, they're lonely, they're unhappy, it's getting too late, all that sort of stuff. And we're yeah. just seeing this you know, happening to so many people mm. where they've bought this, this myth of... Uh, of this myth of patriarchy, this myth of female victimhood, and it's, it's, it's influenced their behaviors, influenced their sensitivity, and they've, they've then been unable to have satisfying relationships or interactions. Um, because like you yeah. said, Anthony, the evidence on the table, and this is what the Red Pill community say is, women can, can come on to Red Pill groups all the time, and men will be like, well, yeah, you can say that as much as you like, but the evidence of what these, girl, these women out sure. there are doing is in total contradiction to what yeah. you're saying. And when, when people say, oh, that's not real feminism if it shows a bad face of feminism, let us please judge by fe feminism by what they're doing yes. in government. What, yeah. what, pol what policies are... I, I, I saw someone saying on Facebook, well, you know, feminism is about men getting equal access to children as well. I'm like, wait a minute, name me one feminist yeah. advocacy group, because I know that National Organization for Women, the biggest feminist yeah. group in America is against men having equal access yeah. to children. So it is a measure of how much men actually care for women's feelings that these myths have not been confronted to the degree that they should have been. I agree, yeah. 
yeah. uh, until recently. That's I mean, such a, that's such a beautiful point. You know, yeah. So many, so men are terrified of hurting women's feelings. They're very protective yeah, because women. they withdraw their love. And you, ex and yeah. you, you have like the the gender pay gap. Some of the studies they don't even take into account hours worked. You have people coming out with ridiculous yeah. statements like one in five women are raped. Jeez, when you look at when you look at the data, it's terrible. No one gets away with presenting such terrible data, uh, apart from governments. But yeah, uh, and feminists. Yeah. I, I do fear that we are going to have to wrap up quite soon. But before we okay. do, you want to bring up a relevant news story, Tam? Well, really, I was, I was only going to talk about. Um, uh, you're aware of Sophie Walker? Uh, she's the leader of the Women's Equality Party. Oh, that kind of fucks it right there. Oh, so yeah. the Women's Equality Women's... Committee, you mean? The committee that they called a party by accident, is that what you mean? Or yeah, I think it was basically Sandy Talksfig's Girls Club. And oh, it's right, actually, okay. yeah, and the, the, Sophie Walker's the leader of this party. She's standing against a guy called Phil Davis. Uh, yeah. a, a, a oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, I think he's brilliant. Said, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has some problems. You know, he's he's, he's yeah. been a bad boy. He's been slapped in the wrist a couple of times for some things. Yeah. But he he got himself onto the the the, the women's equality parliamentary women's yeah. equality committee, yeah. and the, the the feminists were furious. And he refutes yeah. them time and time again with facts, and they dislike him for it. And now uh, Sophie Walker has decided to stand against them in his own constituency of Shipley in uh, West Yorkshire. Uh, on the grounds that he's a misogynist. And I mean, I, I mean I've listened to a lot about this woman says, and I, I can only describe her as a misandrist for, this, for the things, you know, she, she has blatantly uh, misinformed people. She, she, she says that women are treated uh, more harshly in the courts than men. When anybody, when anybody who's done any... It's, 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 it's absolute nonsense, you know, and, yeah. and I can only describe some of the things that she comes out with as absolute falsehoods. But hey, yeah. it doesn't matter. You know, when some feminists have been confronted with this, they've actually thrown it out. Well, okay, it's it's not true, but it doesn't really matter as long as it, it gets the cause, as long as it furthers the cause, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whether it's the domestic violence figures that they skew, whether it's the rape figures that they skew, whether it's the, the, the pay gap figures, it's good. it all doesn't matter as long as it furthers the cause of feminism. And I think that's insidious, yeah. you know? Yeah, it is. It, it's toxic. It's toxic. It's basically, it is patriarchal because it's uh, okay. women using the masculine. But actually, this is why I say what we're living in. We are living so in then, so, there's, so, there's, so does patriarchy then exist then, but not as well, feminists understand it? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't actually think it does exist. I actually no. think what we're dealing with is we are because of because of the nature of the state we're dealing with it with in a matriarchy. If you were speaking to say uh, somebody in the Middle East, they may say you lot are patriarchal because what they are getting is they're getting the you know if we said that the the West was a cell, then uh, the edge is where you will find the masculine. The edge is where you will find the charge, and that is what you'll find dropping bombs and decimating men, women, and children alike in the Middle East or whatever, they're right. facing patriarchy there, or, yeah. or sorry, rampant rampant oppression yeah. of, of uh, uncontrolled masculinity. That's yeah. what they're facing. What we're dealing with is, uh, is, the, is the, um, the overprotective mother. What we've got is literally, that's why we call it a nanny state. We don't call it daddy right. state, do we? We call it a nanny state. It's a mm. nanny, because it's actually, it's, it's the maternal role it's taking on. It's, 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 it's 
feminine all the way, but it's the masculine of the feminine is yeah. what we're seeing in feminism. But it's also, it's uh, also driven right. by that demand, that, that feminine demand to be protected. So that you, yeah, you, yeah, you, the mother, you will yeah. bomb these people overseas because that will make yeah. us feel safe. Exactly. This is all. This is the This is the one thing that's been missing from all of the accusations about men, and it's like, who is it for? Yeah. Who is it for? Okay, the dexterity of masculinity might not be up to par. So, but I don't know anybody whose expectation and ideation is matched with their capacity. Everybody's ideation and fantasy is way ahead of their capacity, and this is where we're yeah. at. I think gender is no we different. Need to build so. Our capacities. Yeah, we need to build our capacity and we need to tolerate, we need to build tolerance for the difference, what is required for us to go from where we are to that ideation, which is we're going to have to create spaces that allow and, and make it, make it you know, um, socially acceptable and uh, yeah. normal for people to go through a period of, um, I suppose, supported spasmic behavior on their journey to mastery and dexterity because this applies already physically and everybody does it. So nobody slags off a kid. If they're running and they fall when they're when they're when they're running, everybody's like, oh, and they help them up and they say, yeah, it was great, you did well. And so the kid doesn't mind so much, and it'll keep running next time. It'll keep running next time. But it, you know, it, it's a big ask to ask for it for gender because we don't even give it to each other for emotions. So if you look mm. at when people really start to experience their emotions at puberty, they spasm and lash in exactly the same way as the physical body did with self-consciousness, arousal, you know, yeah. curiosity, all these things, and they're met with and the then same. We and then we smack them. Exactly. Then we smack those kids instead of teaching them how to channel their exactly to recognize every every emotional charge that moves through your body is 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 an expression of the desire for the world to be different. Every single one, whether you're angry, sad, excited, aroused, whatever, it's about I wish it was different. Maybe excitement is it? Maybe excitement is this is great. It's going my way, but it's about yeah. the only one. All the but other usually, ones no, when you're, you, usually when you're excited, you want to do something with the excitement. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Excited and I want to do stuff. Yeah. Well, I yeah, that's when you're ready. We could probably do another whole hour. Yeah. And if uh, we yeah, could get popular demand from our uh, audience, yeah. Yeah. they never know. Because I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Okay. So well, I want to finish. But in the meantime, yeah, go on. Please make your point and then go straight into yeah. telling people where they can find more of your work. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is the bit because I I, mean, I told you guys I was going to give you something new and fresh and I've not given right. it yet. I've got to do right. it. It's to be done. So you tease. All well, no, I'm going to give it. This is it. So all gender is a can be summed up in the most basic shapes. This is about uh, the geometry of the mind. I know it's taking us into a different avenue, but it's very relevant okay. here. So. The masculine states are to do with having a point and drawing a line. These are expressions of the masculine. Then having enough charge to be able to cross the line. Now, when we do that, so if we imagine, if we draw a line, which is a masculine energy, drawing the line, because it is discrimination, discernment, and division. That's what the masculine does. But I want to, I want to we've been told discrimination is a bad thing, division is a bad thing. I'm referring to it in a positive sense where our cells divide to give us the experience of unity that we experience now. This is what nature does, is it? It's through the division of my cells and the discrimination between them that I can enjoy the functionality of being a human. When I break down those, those lines between them, we get a blob, we call it cancer. And I think feminism's a cancer, I think, I think collectivism's a cancer, I think globalism's yeah. a cancer, these are actual cancers. Now, 
if we then if we if we take that line shape and we cross the line what we have is we have the uh, this is an electrical symbol so what do you call that symbol if you can see it if i do that what is that electrical positive. Positive. positive yeah so when a man can take charge that's what it is to be positive even a woman as well so positivity has got nothing to do with a happy mood it's to be anchored in your charge for change and to use that fuel to carry you forward when the world may not be going your way that's what it is for me to be both positive and taking charge that's the two masculine shapes you have the vertical line which is about drawing a line and then you have the in charge these are the two poles of the man feminine masculine the woman has two poles as well so her basic shape is the circle and you see that yeah. everywhere in nature it's the, it's the shape of forms and states okay and states will use forms to reinforce themselves they will use uniforms and paper forms to reinforce states which are always about these contained units but that's that's actually the closed feminine that is the masculine of the feminine that's what we see with state behavior is actually masculine because it's making points, it's telling people what they should do, it's in control of the resources, it's control of the inflow and the outflow. It's all the masculine functions have been taken by state only because the men are colored. But the, the feminine has a different state. So if we said that that was the O, because the thing about the basic shapes is they can become anything. If I draw this, it could be a sun, a moon, a hat, an O, a zero, whatever. It's the great thing about basic shapes. So that's the O. When the female opens herself into her feminine state, we get the omega, okay? The omega is the other pole of the feminine. And you, you, you mentioned earlier, Tam, where there was a sexual energy. Well, the symbol of the omega is actually that symbol of the open feminine, the open female, and it almost looks like legs splayed character. Now, we use the omega in electricity to measure something. What do we use it to measure? Oh, What's the omega? Sorry? Ohms. ohms, yeah, and what are ohms the measure of? Uh, charge. Power. Resistance. Okay. Resistance. It's resistance. And okay, this is why, yeah, so the, the, the transition between the closed feminine and the omega energy, the omega, because the female power is mega when it's opened and activated, is resistance. That's the thing. So when pickup guys are trying to do whatever, they're trying to overcome the resistance. When women are trying to bed their women, when men are trying to bed their women, it's resistance that they're dealing with. And it's the difference between the O and the Omega energy. Now, women, when they're looking to bring peace to the world and change the world, I agree, they can do that, but not by usurping the men, by activating the Omega energy and taking the charge so that the men aren't going to, they don't want to go and bomb shit and decimate and you know the only reason they're going and doing that is because there's nothing there's no action at home anymore nothing's happening at home they're being right. scorned at home they're being scorned and blooming scathed at home who wants to be yeah. there i'd rather go stand on the front line than blooming go back to <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah. being stared down the nose out there you know yeah. give me an rpg to wield you know but the point being is i genuinely believe the doorway for the women into their power is to understand the omega energy within them and to realize that so the male is the alpha because he's first. That's what that line is about. It's about being first. The male is the alpha. The female is the omega. But at the minute, they're trying to be alpha. And as long as they're doing that, we are screwed, totally screwed. You know, it's about saying the, the men's power goes with taking charge and being positive, women's power through, through omega. But it doesn't mean both men and women have to cultivate dexterity with both taking charge and making points and being 
receptive, open, yeah. you know, accepting, tolerant. But I would say for most people that, you know, you've got all these people going on about, oh, the divine feminine and, oh, we need to do more feminine. I would say we've got too much feminine because the feminine is acceptance. The masculine is non-acceptance. And at the minute, there's way too much acceptance energy, especially amongst the men. There's just way too much acceptance going on and not yeah, enough non-acceptance. Yeah, just the way it is, and oh yeah, I don't want to speak out because the feminists will get me, which they will. But, <laughs> but you know, your point is you've got to deal with, you, you know, this is the yeah. challenge we're up against, is that yeah. so men through taking charge will be able to, to, to shift that. But that okay. was the thing I wanted to give you was, was the omega energy. Yes. Super. But it's definitely sexual. And there's a couple of things there, like, I mean, resistance creates yes. uh, strength in the man. And you will find that when you get out of your masculine around your woman, she starts getting bitchy at you and she doesn't like your shitty masculine behavior. She creates a <laughs> exactly. resistance. And that, exactly. and that forces you to look at your insecurities and take charge of them and improve. I mean, I, I found that to be the case in relationships. And um, so, so that idea of the resistance as uh, yeah. training for the strength yeah. of the masculine and women definitely put up lots of that. Um, and but we need that. We need that because uh, you made your point beautifully there. I'm just going to jump in though. But the reason we need it is because to bring change to the, because this is the thing, when we talk about change and state as being opposites of each other, because change is always temporary. You know, you, you don't need change all the time. You just make changes periodically. Mm. The problem we've got is that state naturally resists change mm. it's not personal it's natural yeah it's as, natural. as you know when you try and take exercise the first day is always the hardest once you've been doing yeah. it for three or four days it gets easier exactly it's pure gender pure gender mm. so when we're looking to bring change in the world when you know we're on a liberty broadcast here when we're looking to to change the state as in the the big state that's in charge of the, the nation state. the level of resistance that we've got to have enough charge to deal with is massive. And I see what our women are doing just now is just, it's like practice at home. And, I, mm. I, and I've said this to many people when I've been, when I used to speak at sovereign events and whatnot, I'd be like, it's a good job you lot aren't on the front line, but you don't have to take charge of your charge for change. At the minute, yeah. you'd lose it. Yeah. You wouldn't give and a good account of yourself. And this has been annoying me about uh, a lot of the left-wing activists and protests. You've got people who can't keep their own room tidy and can't make yeah. a living. People who cannot make a living protest to advocate how the government should run things and it's like look take charge of your own life make a decent living then get become responsible become capable and use that to go out and help sure if you want to do that by going becoming a politician it's not what I would choose but if you're a competent person and that's the way you believe that you can change the world you know do it but First, take charge. First, make yes. your life good, and let's resonate out that way. And the other yes. thing, I just wanted to point about being on the front line. People who've got a wonderful relationship with their women are not going to be signing up so easily um, for going abroad to to kill people yes. when they can be at home exactly. making love. And secondly, yes. um, so many people fall into that role because it's seen as a way of being a hero, which will help you to attract a mate so there's there's so much depth in what you've said and you've given us a, a huge matrix where can people find more about your stuff okay well i'll tell you what i, I do have an existing website but i want to direct because you can search on youtube under darren Dioji and chris Dioji, you'll find some old talks but i'm about to be launching a new gender website it's not out, it's not up yet 
It's called uh, the website is nativereservation dot one dot o n e at the end nativereservation dot one. So if you go to nativereservation dot one now and sign up there, I will first of all anybody who signs up from this podcast on that page will get a free copy of my gender book when it's published in a couple of months. I'm going to be launching it on Amazon Kindle for the first few days. It will be free. Everybody who signs up will get a notification of that, so they can get a free copy of the book and also. I will send out to people a um, uh, a, a talk on uh, more detail on this conception idea to get better at gender communication in your interactions. But um, uh, otherwise, if you search online, you'll find other things about me. But uh, really, for now, Native Reservation is where we're going to be putting all the new stuff. So Native Reservation okay. dot one. Yeah. So please go to nativereservation.one dot one and yeah. sign up to Chris slash Darren's mailing list. Yeah. And uh, he will keep you informed, and you get a free ebook. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure, we'll enjoy having you back on the show. I look forward to when it. You're forward to it. Has been released. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. You so people yeah, it's at been home, a be libertarians. Make your points well. If you want the world to receive them, uh, don't yeah, be a take lefty. charge. Take yeah. charge, and yeah. don't be a lefty or a righty. <laughs> Go straight down the line, exactly. Straight down the line, make your point, draw your lines, take charge, be positive. All gender, amazing. <laughs> Thank you.